Hey everybody, it's Monday, March 15th, and that means it's time for another episode of Chatting with Agnes and Cecilia Nonprofit Conversations, brought to you by Rogue Tulips Nonprofit Consulting and Association Management Services. I'm Cecilia Sepp, I'm one of your co-hosts, and I'm here today with my co-host and friend, Agnes. I'm going to throw it over to Agnes so she can introduce herself. Thank you, Cecilia. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience, wherever you are joining us from. My name is Agnes Amos Coleman. I'm an author and a consultant. Over to you, Cecilia. Great. Thank you, Agnes. And we are really excited today to have as our guest, Bryant Richards, and he is going to talk with us today about intelligent process automation and organizational success, which is one of his passions. Welcome, Bryant. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Cecilia. I appreciate it. And Agnes, uh, uh, hello, and uh, thanks for having me in the class uh, on this on this spot, this session. Um, my name is Bryant Richards. I am an associate uh, professor of accounting and finance at Nichols College in Dudley, Massachusetts, a small uh, specialty business school um, right outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, it's pretty good at um, professional preparedness as well as skills training um, for folks going into industry. Um, I am also the director of the Center of Intelligent Process Automation, the head of a, a new initiative we have at Nichols College, um, focused on accessibility and participation in what is becoming, uh, frankly, the new way that work will be done. So that's a great launching point for our conversation today, Brian. So what is the new way that work is being done? Because some of us are too close to it to mm. see the big picture. Sure. So, you know, it seems like this trend has started maybe um, 20 years ago. And, and I'm going to tell you that over the last five years or so, what's happened is all this technology um, that existed got really cheap, got really well packaged together, um, and was really easy to use, uh, comparably so. And what it's doing is it's taking anything that is um, a digitized process, uh, a friend and... Um, a colleague of mine, Karen Gilmurray, says the clickety-click. Any, any clicks that we do or somebody can do can now be recorded and you can give that to a bot or a, a piece of code that sits on a server or something to do that for you. And it can follow, in, it can follow a lot of very complex instructions and do it repeatedly for you. And it can work at any time to do it. Um, and it's always available. And uh, frankly, they tend to be a lot faster than people uh, and doing certain things and uh, they make less mistakes. Well, that's interesting. So what sort of things might a nonprofit organization apply that to? Oh, sure. So the fun thing about, um, I would say nonprofits is there's often lots of processes that involve paperwork, mm -hmm. that involve reporting, that involve, involve either checking or moving uh, data in different ways. Uh, and you'll find that all of these processes, as long as they're repeatable, again, even if there's, you know, some decisions to be made on how you repeat it, um, can all be automated. And I think you'll mm -hmm. find that nonprofits are a great place um, to add some small automation, which would free up what I see as, um, you know, a lot of folks wearing a lot of different hats. Uh, maybe, maybe they could wear a few less hats and focus a little bit more. <laughs> Exactly. That's, that's yeah, I, Cecilia. I think that's a great thought process, actually. And and when you mentioned the word automation, I do agree. That word has been around for over twenty years now. And I remember even up till today, the biggest concern that the association world and the association community has is if we automate our process, 
Does that mean that we're out of a job? And what is it that you can share with our global audience as far as automation is concerned that automation is not about losing your job. It's actually about enhancing what you do. And to your point, it actually makes your job a lot easier so that you can focus on what really matters. So can you share your thought process on that? I, I can, but I'm, I'm not sure. I want to I want to sort of just be candid, too. And, and one of the reasons that I'm passionate about this is because in the near term, one of my concerns, as you'll see, is about accessibility and, and participation. And and those are nice words, um, but there's a lot of studies that show a significant amount of people could be displaced or not participating in this economy. Um, so I, I want to sort of you know start with that because when you automate something, now I'm an accountant by trade. Well, seventy mm. percent of the things I did for the first five years of my career don't need to be done, mm. right? So there's a there's some simple math there that would make a logical person say, well, wait a minute, what's going to happen to my job? And mm. I want to tell you that in the short term, I think it's really important that folks like us in the educational community come out and say, let us give you the skills you need to participate in this very important and exciting opportunity for the world, frankly, right? So, so there's that. Um, in terms of um, what I've seen, I've seen a lot of very responsible organizations deploy a lot of automations with the focus of ensuring their employees that they're still gonna have jobs. Okay. There's a lot of statistics that are coming out with these organizations who are being very responsible. And I say responsible because I think they're being, they're being strategically smart which we think sounds nice, but mm. I, I think um, for these automation pro, um, projects to actually be successful, I don't think an organization can come off and just tell everybody, hey, go automate everything and then you're all out of a job, right? That they understand that that's, that's not a, a, a smart thing to do for long-term success of the business. So responsible, strategic, however you want to see it. Mm. Um, with that being said, the, the studies coming out of the companies who are leading in this space, the employees are so excited the employees are, are, are hitting higher marks in terms of engagement, in terms of automation, in terms of opportunities, uh, innovation and collaboration. I've seen, um, you know, much higher in, in organizations. And, and I think this is logical because if you think of your organization right now and you've, if you think of just innovation and collaboration, well, if I think of the nonprofit space, which I live in right now with all my hats and, and, I, and I work with some other nonprofits, it's really hard to be innovative and collaborative when you're so busy clicking mm -hmm. and moving data and focusing on sort of tedious manual tasks that really take a lot of your energy and really aren't the highest of value. Mm. So I, I think if you just take that analogy and you go into you know, your nonprofits or something and say, okay, what if we were to just take that away? What's possible for us? And I think it takes a really long time to sort of get to the point where you need to start eliminating jobs. I think you're just so eager to deploy those resources to higher value things. Mm. Um, you know, how many times you've said maybe, what could we do here if we just had the time to focus on it type of thing? And, and that's the trend we're seeing in industry in a lot of ways. So now, basically re repositioning people into different kind of jobs? Is that absolutely. what uh, sure, or even or even just focusing um, differently. You know, I, I, again, I think the nonprofit space, and I, I, I feel like there's, you know, everywhere you go, there's people who wear five hats. Mm -hmm. well, 
What if you could just be really good at two of them or five or four of them even? I, you know, there's people listening to this problem right now saying, oh, my God, what I'd love, what I wouldn't give to wear three hats, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think if, if we could just, you know, like I like your word reposition, I, I think that, mm. that would be important. In larger companies, I think um, there's, um, there's different challenges and different resources because I think the repositioning, you know, might actually move people more into different departments that require different skills, which is again, something we're, we're kind of focused on at the Center of Intelligent and Process Automation. Sure. And how does artificial intelligence play into this, if at all? Sure, so uh, I, love, I love quoting uh, Kieran Gilmari, who's, who's really, really up on this stuff and has been in it for quite a few years. And he says, um, you know, robotic process automation is the clickety click. And he <laughs> says, the AI is the thinkety think. So, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> And it sticks with you. You're going to be saying this you know, months from now. You're going to be the clickety click and the thinkety think, right? I love it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and I see this maybe too simply, um, but robotic process automation really ties everything together in a digital world. You, you start connecting mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, and once you've connected this, one of the powerful things about robotic process automation is it actually creates data sets. You start, you, you have access to more data, different types of data than you had before. Once you have that in a really positive way and you've sort of freed up your organization to be more thoughtful and more strategic and less clickety-click and, and sort of mm. manual, um, you now have the opportunity to ask some really interesting questions. You know, what is better for my customers or my stakeholders? Um, mm. Where should we focus? You know, what, let's, let's look outside of our organization and, and let's really explore some of these things. Well, artificial intelligence, I believe, complements that type of process. It starts taking your data and it starts saying, well, you know, how do we, how do we identify better patterns? How do we, how do we learn faster in the future um, than, than we could with, with just our own minds um, by taking all this data and processing it very quickly? Well, Agnes, did you have a comment or question? You know, the, the comment that kind of comes to my mind right now is the role of the stakeholder in really managing the strategic And I think you touched on it to some point. That means that the, the, the stakeholder, when I say the stakeholder, I'm looking at the board in the nonprofit world, of course, uh, in really communicating this uh, strategic approach, if this is approach that they want to take, uh, to help kind of, you know, work within the organization, within the association to educate. So again, that leads me back to education, role of the stakeholder, the board of directors, uh, the executive director, and the role of education that it plays in really uh, communicating what this process involves, what are some of the risks that's involved? Is it the risk of losing your job? Is it the risk of repo repositioning? You know, just really educating your staff that there are some really positive elements here that we really need to focus on, but that needs to come from the stakeholders. They really need to, there needs to be a significant role from the leadership of the organization in making this work. Yeah, if, if I could comment on that, I mean, this is, this, I mean, Agnes, this is tying exactly to what we're seeing in industry too. One of the things that happened even pre-COVID was, this was a big topic on the large company boards, like all the, the for-profits and the, you know, the big companies, especially, you know, this mm. was a board topic with COVID. It was a board imperative in a lot of ways for, for a lot of, you know, obvious reasons, I think. On the nonprofit side, I'm not seeing it necessarily 
get there as much. I'm not seeing as much data where it's being talked about. And, and I think, you know, as I as we talk about why we're launching a center is I think what we're seeing is these large organizations are really, I mean, they, they get on this path, they get on their journey and they're, you know, they're, they're just jumping through the, you know, the roof with all of their um, performance and they're, they're doing great yeah. and whatnot. My concern is if the nonprofits aren't aware of their opportunity in the smaller organizations, there's going to be an opportunity to be left behind. And if I, if I were to deliver a message to, you know, the folks listening now, I'd say that I agree with what you just said, Agnes, please, everybody listen to what Agnes just said, but, mm. but just understand too, that when you talk about automation, you might be thinking of millions of dollars that you have to invest in that you're, you're just not in the ball game with this stuff. And, and that's not true at all. I mean, we're talking 50, $60,000 implementations. And I know that's a lot of money for folks, but you know, the ROIs on these types of projects are very easy to determine before you get involved with them and, and whether it suits you or not. It's, and, and there are risks, but there's a lot of work that's been done already to kind of mm -hmm. help people, you know, get up that learning curve and, and think through how this works for them. That's well, that, that's a great point, Brian. And, uh, and I concur, you should always listen to Agnes. I tried to as well. Uh, so we have a couple minutes left. And one of the things that I see as a concern for nonprofit organizations is the bright, shiny thing, uh, the, mm. the thing they chase. It's like, oh, if we just get a new AMS, all of our problems will be solved. Uh, if we add on this, this system, all of our problems will be solved. What are some of the pitfalls that people need to avoid when automating? And what are some of the questions that they need to ask? Like what are two or three questions you need to start with before you start automating? Yeah, uh, wow. Um, so I like that question and I'm trying to think of which ways to answer that. It's easy to start with um, really understanding your process. Okay. And so, so when, you know, any organization that has yet to truly understand its processes or doesn't have a good understanding of its processes. I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, you've got challenges to overcome with just, with just that, right? You, you never want to automate a process that isn't effective. Um, I once heard something that you don't, um, you don't improve your problems, you tend to magnify them, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a process discipline first and automation is just the possible solution. So I think if anybody went out and said, oh, I have to go do robotic process automation and then because it's a shiny thing and it sounds important, I mean, we could help you or folks can help you kind of understand how it might work for you. But I would say it really comes down to, you know, what, what problems are you trying to solve and what, what understanding do you have about your process first? Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one. I, I, the pitfalls that come out are folks that buy the shiny thing and, and don't do the sort of the, the pre-work up front you know, make better processes, understand their processes, you know, just try to plug something in and run with it. And I can assure you that there's organizations who have some remorse um, for, mm -hmm. for picking up this shiny thing, but not really understanding how it works for them. Right. And then there's always with any, any sort of IT solution, there's always sort of this cultural change type of thing. You know, are you being strategic? Are you communicating with your employees? This mm -hmm. I, I like to talk about, and it's not my words, but, you know, automation journey. This is a journey. You know, you're exploring your processes, you're figuring out how automation works for you and your stakeholders, and you take steps and you move forward. And the organizations mm -hmm. that tend to do that as a journey, mm -hmm. um, you know, become very successful because they learn from it, they build from it, they grow from it, and they, and they get returns from it. 
And I think having that humility about that from an organizational standpoint is really critical to, to being successful. That's great. And, and it is unfortunately time for us to wrap up already. I think that's a great uh, point to close on, uh, to be considerate of what you're trying to accomplish before you start implementing things. So um, Agnes, closing thoughts, comments? I think Brian has really shared some uh, thought process with our global audience that we really need to come back and explore further because mm -hmm. I see the benefit here for our association community to really you know, have a deeper dive into this process because if they have an understanding of what the opportunities are, uh, there will be a willingness to embrace, embrace it as a strategy for the future. So we would definitely like uh, Brian to come back and break break the science down for us as it were, yeah. and uh, help us in the community to start to look at ways that we can educate our community, start look at ways that we can do, we can automate and automate responsi responsibly. Yeah, I, I agree. We definitely need to have Brian back. And I have an idea of another guest that can join us with Brian in the future. Uh, awesome. So Brian, if somebody would like to contact you to learn more about the center, What's the best way to do that? Sure, I encourage everyone to please, um, you know, you, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, by all means, I'm, I'm open to connecting. And that's one easy way. You can also send me an email at Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T dot Richards at Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S dot E-D-U. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Bryant, for joining us today. And we are already looking forward to having you back. We have to go Rogue for now, but we'll be back next week with another episode. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Nonprofit Consulting, you can check us out online at roguetulips.com. We're also a huge supporter of the 501C League, which is a virtual membership group for everyone in the nonprofit community and the people who love them. The League is a leader in CAE development. You can check them out at the 501Cleague.net. So until next time, on behalf of myself and Agnes and Brian, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. And take 15 minutes and talk to somebody, as Agnes and I like to say, because you might learn something. So bye for now, and we'll be back next time. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. <laughs>